Hello and welcome to this special episode of Media Buddhi A to Z. Uh, and it's special because it's not just three people as is usual. It's five people. I'll introduce everyone. Uh, it sounds kind of intimidating, but that's not the point. Um, my name is HR Venkatesh. I work for BoomLive.in. Uh, everyone here with me also work for BoomLive. So we have Archis Chaudhary and Divya Chandra who are co-hosts of this show. Uh, but for today, and you'll know why in a moment, Archis is not going to be one of the hosts. He's going to be one of the people answering. Uh, Divya is here with me, of course. Um, and we also have um, managing editor of BoomLive.in, Jensi Jacob. Uh, it's a great pleasure to get him here because we don't often get to <clears throat> hear him speak. And we also have Debraj Sarkar, who is our senior researcher. And the reason we are here is because as fact checkers and as people, hopefully, who read fact checks, you know, we always focus on the minute, on that blade of grass. We don't really get to see the big picture. We don't, we see one piece of misinformation. We don't get to see what the pattern is like. And what we did recently was we went through a year's worth of fact checks and we tried to see if there are any patterns that emerge. And some patterns did emerge, some of them surprising. So we're going to talk about that in this interview, it's going to last about 45 minutes. Um, let me start with Archis. Archis, just give us an overview of this report. Okay, so um, if you have already read our report, which I would really suggest our listeners to do, um, it is basically misinformation. The field of misinformation, it's really vast and it's, uh, it's never ending. And it's really kind of impossible to capture everything at the same time. What this report does is, it captures how boom sees or how boom experiences this whole field so it's it's a reflection of our work more than anything uh, so it takes into account all the fact checks that we have done in the three languages english hindi and bangla and it's a very rudimentary analysis of our work to understand you know what are the uh, top trends who are the top targets you know uh, what kind of medium was used to share so just like some basic questions answered about the field of misinformation. That's what this report does. Got it. Um, um, as and, and you're one of the people who worked on it, of course. And we also have Debraj. As I said, Debraj, um, I know you went deep into the numbers. So explain to us, give us a snapshot. How many fact checks were there last year? What? How did you count uh, them? What was the methodology like? So um, last year we did 1,135 fact checks. All of these, uh, so my modus operandi when it comes to, you know, classifying all of this is that, you know, I basically approach each and every single, you know, claim which Boom receives as something of a case study. And after going through the entire body of the, you know, of the fact checking that has been done, I try to identify certain tells. These tells are essentially like diagnostic uh, symptoms of certain claim. Now, uh, I would also suggest that readers who are interested in, you know, going through fact checks uh, in the very pro process of fact checking to uh, acquaint themselves with one author called Claire Wardle, who in the year 2017 uh, came up with a very intuitive and a rather insightful categorization of uh, misinformation and disinformation that we find ourselves plagued with. I basically used this classification and tried to apply that to the Indian situation. Uh, and to that end, some modifications had to be made because what is apparent and what is taken for granted in the West is not exactly the same here. Now, when I go through each and every one of these claims, I try to identify exactly where such claims can make sense. So if I'm going through a certain story which has the intention 
you know the apparent you know intention of creating of sowing seeds of uh, of doubt between ethnic communities then the idea is i will classify that as something which is responsible for you know inciting demographic tension or anxiety and then i try to identify exactly what process has been used to rile the people up it could be you know decontextualization where you simply take things out of their original context sometimes it could be something a lot more insidious where you basically frame it frame genuine information in a fashion which uh, incriminates people who are otherwise not at all related to it and so in this way i basically went through literally 1135 claims and classified them uh, you know as in a, in as detailed a fashion as possible and our report basically uses you know uh, uh, basic statistics that one can actually operate using google sheets and mm-hmm. through that uh, we just came up with you know this information this data got it uh, we'll we'll look into uh, the actual topics that we've pulled out but the headline of this report is fake news fueled hindu muslim polarization this is the boom annual report of 2022 and the subheader we've given is while political plain claims dominated the year the largest overarching theme of false claims was found to be islamophobia shared with the intent of spreading demographic anxiety jensi i want to bring you in here before we go deeper into the report whenever we put together these numbers and whenever we we look at ourselves as a you know our position as preeminent fact checkers uh, if i can say that about ourselves in india what are the concerns that you you would generally have as managing editor well uh, venkatesh i'm very glad to be part of the show uh, it's our own podcast but this is the first time i'm coming here so thank you for inviting me um see this this research study that we have put out for the annual report of 2022 is actually very important because it's for the probably the first time that or not the first time in fact we've done this before as well but uh, this report is very important because um as fact checkers we look at individual stories as and when it comes so on a real time basis we we fact check them and we put it out sometimes over a period of time when there is a news event that is happening or there is a trending news event we come out with curated versions of what have we found uh, during that uh, you know during that news event like for example bharat jodo yatra is going on so uh, from time to time we will come out with fact check stories which will say that okay over a period of time this is the kind of misinformation we have found targeting the bharat jodo yatra but on an annual basis it is a very useful exercise to do that when what did we do last year what are the kind of fact, uh, stories that we looked at who are the people who were targeted the most that we found in our claims now i just want to remind our uh, listeners that now this is not exactly the entire ecosystem of uh, misinformation or disinformation now this is just a sample or taken from uh, or the the entire universe of stories that we have decided to look at and write stories on them and publish them so that is why debraj gave a uh, gave a figure of uh, over 1000 uh, you know it's uh, to be precise 1135 fact checks that we did in 2022 one constant criticism venkatesh that we've always faced and this you are aware about is the fact that people often say that are you only fact checking one side of the political divide uh, now <clears throat> this is a problem we decided to take head on uh, even without going through the numbers just by the processes that we have built in over a period of time over the last 5 to 6 years we do know that at boob at least we do not look at 
any claim through the lens of political ideology we don't look at the claim and say oh you know this will probably uh, portray bjp in a bad light or congress in a good light or congress in a bad light and bjp in a uh, good light you know we don't look at those uh, you know for us journalistically that is not the lens through which we look at it we only look at it from the uh, prospect of whether it is viral whether it it can cause real life harm uh, whether uh, there is an immediate need to fact check it and put it out and um, you know depending on who are the people who are spreading this kind of misinformation and disinformation and what impact are they having on the spread of it now if you follow all these processes whether it it, it, uh, it the the fact check is targeting one side of the political divide or the other these are not concerns that we have but at the end of the year when we sit and when we look at all the numbers it's a very useful exercise because even from our point of view we get to know whether the processes that we have set in the newsroom is it are these processes completely non partisan in nature and the proof of the pudding is in the store, in the uh, in the data itself that we are projecting and that we are showing that out of you know 1135 fact checks that we have done how many of them have uh, are claims that are related to the bjp or the congress and you will find in the report and i'm sure that you will talk about it later on that bjp does find a lot of uh, claims that have been targeted against them and we have fact checked all of them so uh, for me it's a very welcome exercise that we've done uh, which shows goes on to show the non partisanship you know which are not just in words but it is in now in the form of data that we are putting out and also uh, you know it's an accurate reflection of what has been happening in the country over the last one year so if any researcher who's listening to us wants to look at our raw data they are welcome to come and look at it you know they can look at the stories that we have picked up speak to our researchers about how did they decide to uh, categorize this and you know what are the terms that they used how did they go about this it's a transparent process and we are open for researchers to come and participate in this because they will get a very good insight of what has happened in 2022 which will give uh, them a lot of uh, you know insights into how can they even uh mm-hmm. look at their own studies and research that they are doing in the area of misinformation and disinformation okay uh, uh that's setting up the context for this conversation let's get into the weeds uh so the most targeted religious group uh in 2022 were muslims uh, not very surprising followed by hindus now the, the what's uh, surprising to me or the number that jumped up at me was so muslims were targeted by 14% of all claims uh and uh, hindus were the target of 4% of all claims uh, so that's as far as religious groups are concerned and among political parties uh, again uh, the surprise is the bjp it turned out to be the most frequent target of false claims at 16% followed by the congress 7% and the aam aadmi party at 5.4% uh so let's disregard the the political parties for now let's just focus on the religious group aspect of this um debraj and archis i'm i'm coming to you both uh, whoever wants to speak first go go for it um this number you know intuitively people uh, seem to be seem to get the idea that religionized disinformation is the largest in india however these numbers 14% and 4% explain them please Yeah I'd love to answer this actually um now when you look at these figures they may not 
look like such big figures, 14%. Uh, but I'd like to mention here that uh, when we are talking about targets, we have identified over uh, 220 targets in our 1,135 fact checks. So 15%, taking up 15% of the space is actually quite a huge portion when you are you know, uh, competing with all these over 200 targets. Uh, so another thing, uh, actually, you spoke about the political parties as well. And uh, in the case of uh, the elect state elections that we've seen last year, uh, we saw quite a bit of overlap between uh, political and communal claims. Um, a lot of the times, an opposition leader would be targeted uh, using a communal claim. And we had to make a call whether to classify them as under Islamophobia or as under certain elections. So all these decisions had to go... Uh, we had to make all these decisions whether on you know which classification would put them in so uh, so that's how the, that's what these numbers actually re reflect and uh, 14% and 4% are actually quite big numbers you know if you take into account that you know how many targets were actually there does that make sense yeah makes sense debra you want to add something to that um i would you know basically orchish said everything uh, to only to reiterate his point uh, when we were actually identifying different targets, one thing that became apparent during election time was that uh, the elections are a very, you know, it's a very tumultuous phase when it comes to the information sphere. And what was becoming apparent was that not only political parties, but also uh, minorities, both of them are just, you know, uh, a fair target for all sorts of, you know, uh, dubious claims during elections. And one thing that became really, you know, an important insight when we were preparing these charts was that the, you know, the various false claims which target minorities, in this case Muslims, they basically reach a peak, basically around the time of elections. So it's no wonder that a political party which is literally in power, but at the same time, which has had a, you know, which has had a very checkered history when it comes to its relations with minorities, would be, you know, uh, basically going toe to toe with you know the most you know the vilified minority especially around the elections uh, and 14 and just like what she said uh, through you know we had more than 100 targets like almost 200 targets so to basically be at the top five of that is uh, kind of like a big deal to actually have so much you know uh, foibles and all, all these uh, srb claims around you know your community and that to at 14 percent and 4 percent is quite significant Got it. Got it. Um, you know, when, when we think about the ecosystem of misinformation and disinformation, there's political, there's religious uh, slash communal, there's medical misinformation, there's financial misinformation. Uh, so we tackle everything, right? Uh, and all the other areas that I have not even mentioned. We, talk, we tackle all kinds of misinformation. There's misinformation about uh, India's neighbors, uh, about uh, the Russia invasion of Ukraine. So uh, wherever it was necessary, we got into those international sorts of stories as well. Now, take me through this. Uh, and again, Jensi, uh, I will come to you after I come to Archis and uh, Devraj now, because I want to know why we um, headlined the story the, uh, the way we, we headlined it. Fake news fueled Hindu-Muslim polarization boom annual report of 2022. Uh, so back to uh, Devraj, back to Archis. Um, Forget political parties, religious uh, groups. When you look at entities, um, we say in this uh, report, using our annual fact check database, we examine the claims for each fact check and identify the entity, individual or issue being targeted 
through information manipulation. On several occasions, we spotted large groups being targeted along with individual targets who are part of the large groups. Uh, we assigned the individual targets as sub-targets to do individual level comparison. Uh, and so basically we are saying in this that the BJP and Muslims were the most targeted entities. Uh, and uh, right. even, even if you don't have, uh, even if uh, people don't have the story in front of them, the report in front of them, uh, the BJP and, and Muslims, they're, they're number one and number two. That seems kind of counterintuitive to me. Uh, but then again, I might be asking this question from a very particular perspective. So take us through that, Arches, and then uh, Devraj. Yeah, this is actually, there are uh, a few nuances to this. Uh, so when you first hear about targeting, you know, you uh, automatically think negative targeting. But what we have seen is uh, there's also positive targeting when you try to talk positively about something using a false claim. Uh, and sometimes you'd see a neutral targeting where there's nothing positive or negative being made. It's just uh, information being manipulated. So we also assign those values to see the sentiments behind the targeting. And the values were basically positive, neutral, and negative. So although BJP was the most targeted entity or group, uh, we did see that as compared to the Muslims, uh, they had a much larger share of positive targeting uh, as compared to the Muslims. So there is also that. So it, they weren't exactly targeted the same way. Uh, but they did have the most number of claims. And this also includes all the BJP leaders who were targeted, You know, as I said. We also did a second level, individual level comparison where we looked at the leaders separately and out of which Narendra Modi came as in the top place, followed by Rahul Gandhi. And it, it showed a very similar kind of uh, trend that he was also targeted equally positively as negatively. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's actually and actually, if you look at our past year's data, the, the last annual report for 2021, it also says something very similar uh, there. You had Modi being targeted the most. Um, and, you know, uh, it had a lot to do with, uh, with the farmers' protests and all. Uh, but it had a very similar kind of trend. And Muslims and Modis were, were the biggest targets of that year. So, is it correct then to say that um, uh, Narendra Modi and the BJP were the biggest targets of misinformation? But uh, a, a great majority of these targets, uh, of these claims, put them in, a, in an place them in a positive light using false claims whereas I, I still wouldn't say a majority here though because it is uh i guess uh, devraj do you have the figures yeah i think around 30 percent of them or 40 percent of them targeted them positively uh most of them still were negative uh, but that 40 percent targeted uh, for positive targeting is uh, basically one of the highest among any other uh, group because most of the other groups were targeted major major like mostly negatively so uh, got it. So it's yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? Uh, let's give Debraj a, a moment to uh, look at those figures. Uh, Jensi, um, you know, what would your thoughts be on 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 the way we are looking at the breakdown on these numbers? Well, uh, Venkatesh, it was very interesting when Arches and Debraj decided to break it out that way because uh, if you look at it on a very simplistic note, if you just pick up all the claims and say that. BJP was targeted more than the Congress or Narendra Modi was targeted more than Rahul Gandhi, that will not be a very accurate representation of what the stories are itself saying. So which is why I think I found their positive representation and negative representation very important because many in many stories, 
uh, you know, while we may say that Modi was targeted or may have been the target of uh, the claims that are being put out, but some of them may have been because, uh, you know, someone is putting out claims about him which are not true uh, to show him in positive light. Now, that has to be reflected correctly. While for us, it may just be a fact check. Uh, it also goes on to show that uh, when it comes to political narratives being spun around, uh, there is always a positive spinning that also happens, not just negative spinning. So it is not just about the fact that Narendra Modi uh, is bad or uh, Rahul Gandhi is bad, but it is also about how Narendra Modi and Rahul Gandhi are very great, uh, being peddled by their individual political party uh, followers. So this differentiation between uh, the negative and the positive, I found very interesting because that actually gives us a very uh, good way to understand that when there are claims that are put out or when we pick them up and we fact check them, uh, how do we see them uh, finally when we try to pick up a trend? So are there uh, more positive representations of a political leader or not? Or are there more negative? So that gives you kind of a better understanding of probably who is uh, succeeding in this game of putting out narratives that are suiting their ideology and, and targeting another political party negatively. So uh, in, in my view, it was, it was it's a very good way to look at it. And I'm sure that mm-hmm. uh, we can refine this further in the coming days. Yeah. Devraj, were you able to dig down a little bit in the in the meantime and find anything more to sp- say about this? Yeah. So, uh, pretty much, you know, uh, continuing with the idea that we need to actually dig a little deeper to understand why is it that both BJP and uh, Muslims happen to be, you know, such... Uh, you know, such interesting topics and for that matter, uh, such, you know, um, contentious topics for that matter. And if we actually go through the data, we notice that when it comes to Muslims, the amount of negative sentiment which surrounds the various claims, which basically, you know, uh, which we identify from the various claims that we studied, Muslims have been targeted negatively more than 90% of the time, with only barely 10% sometimes, you know, aggrandizing them or basically, you know, painting something in a positive light so for that community. While, uh, if we actually go towards BJP and especially towards Narendra Modi, we notice that over 30%, almost 31% of claims that targeted Narendra Modi, Prime Minister, the, the current Prime Minister, they are positive, while the rest are negative. And when it comes to BJP party as a whole, as an entity, with uh, figures like Yogi Adityanath, uh, Narendra Modi, uh, and other such you know, uh, figureheads, over 30, uh, almost 34% of the claims are positive. And so uh, it's all about, you know, understanding that when it comes to the conversation surrounding the party which is in power, it's a, a, it's a more mixed bag as compared to the uh, most vilified minority in the country. So, uh, and uh, if we actually go a little bit further, we also uh, did, you know, the typology classification. And I would also like to remind viewers that when it comes to, you know, us fact checkers identifying the type of false information, there are two important classifications, two broad categories that always help us in this regard. One is misinformation. Uh, the, here, the word miss prior to information suggests that there is a mistake involved. So we, we misinformation could be anything. Misinformation could be a simple lie. It could be, you know, a sensationalist claim, which need not necessarily have any ulterior motive to it. But there is also the more, you know, the more problematic term, which is disinformation, where the idea is there is an inherent malice behind the claim being made like someone is actually attempting to frame someone incriminate someone or basically you know generalize uh, a questionable conduct over to an entire community or an entire entity 
And if we look at the various claims which uh, affected the Muslim community, most of them, like an overwhelming 77.44% of all the claims targeting Muslims are misleading, where the community has been vilified in situations and in circumstances where they had nothing to do with the, you know, with the whole scenario whatsoever. In contrast, if we look at the various types of claims which afflicted the BG, uh, you know, the Bharatiya Janata Party, only 40% of the claims are misleading or incriminating in nature. There are others. There are there's false context. There is false connection, clickbait. Uh, in other words, there is a little bit of fabrication involved. There is a, a there is a little bit of spoof or you know, the paradization uh, or parodification. I, I think is the proper word. So uh, through this, we understand that when it comes to Muslims, there is an inherent malice towards them when it comes to the false information ecosystem. Something which BJP does not exactly suffer from. BJP has a lot more diversity of the claims affecting it. But and, uh, it's just negative. Yeah, and just to add on to what Devrat said, uh, most of the negative claims against the BJP were very basic smear campaigns, just talking badly about a political leader or the party or you know any party worker, basically. Got it, got it. That, 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 uh, that was helpful, uh, Devraj and Arches. I believe Divya has a question or two. Yeah, I wanted to ask that, uh, and both for Arjus and Devraj, that, uh, so see, as an individual, we all have biases, right? So, uh, and as a as a researcher also, you might have some biases uh, initially, let's say you had some hypothesis, let's say you said you had some uh, preconceived belief that, okay, we are going to do this report, but I kind of know what the results are going to be. Let's say you had you had that thought, but when you actually digged up data and when you actually did the analysis, maybe under some sections or under some some subheaders, the results were completely different. So, was there any attempt on being like conscious about biases or anything that you know you had some hypothesis, but the results were completely different? Any such experience you had while doing this research? Actually, uh, for the sake of this, as, as I said earlier, this is a very rudimentary analysis that we did. And uh, there weren't any uh, statistical analysis involved here. Uh, so therefore, our biases weren't really figuring into it. And of course, we had certain expectations. Uh, I did not expect uh, the BJP to come out you know, on top and the list of targets. Uh, but at the end of the day, we both knew that uh, all we needed to do was work on the database and assign the correct values. And, uh, you know, uh, it would give us the result itself, you know, and we wouldn't have to worry about, you know, what we were expecting. Uh, I guess I guess that that was it. That was uh, the case for me. Devraj, was it the same for you? Pretty much. Uh, I would say that unlike, you know, the other researches which institutions undertake, we didn't exactly have a research, you know, question driving this report. Uh, when we were actually looking into these various claims and uh, identifying and classifying them, there wasn't an overarching research question in mind. Now, that part comes later. The uh, The idea was to actually have a respectable sample and do some very preliminary analyses and see what the, what the you know, demography, uh, what the, you know, the false information ecosystem of the country is. As we move forward into 2023, we will, you know, not only refine the procedures, but at the same time, with more and more claims being added to that data of, the, of previous year, we will actually be able to identify trends better. Because as many people would understand, a statistical analysis requires, you know, a robust amount of information. And with all honesty, 1,135 fact checks, that's not exactly very insightful. So as we move forward, 
we will try to figure out more research questions. And with these research questions, we can actually have some expectations. Um, one thing I had in mind, because I am someone who's, you know, uh, I'm basically a postgraduate in anthropology. And my uh, entry into this field was mostly because I had this question in mind. Uh, my research agenda was mostly to understand intent behind a certain action. In, and in this case, the agency that drives people to actually engage in disinformation or misinformation. That was my intent. And one thing I had expected is that fabrication or the idea that I basically generate something completely bogus to frame yeah. or to actually mislead people that I, I had expected uh, going into 2022 to be the, the most salient feature. But uh, the Indian scenario is very different from the West because in the West, if I would remind my viewers, the whole study into misinformation started with Trump getting elected. The, that was basically this turning point where suddenly people in the Western Hemisphere began to acknowledge uh, misinformation as some sort of a plague that afflicts civil society. I mostly introduced myself to this concept by studying these, you know, the works of Western uh, researchers. And over in the West, in USA specifically, the information ecosystem, the misinformation or the false information e ecosystem, you know, relies on fabrication, where completely false things like false uh, where blog posts or false websites, which uh, aggrandize or basically, you know, which uh, present themselves as genuine sources of news, they mislead people. But in India, that condition is very different. In India, we actually have these, uh, these, uh, you could say these are shadow operators who basically, you know, create these divisive uh, claims. And these claims are then disseminated via social media. So there is no elaborate attempt at you know, misleading the people. It's done through WhatsApp forwards, it's done through Facebook uh, shares and, uh, you know, Twitter retweets and stuff like that. So that was one thing that really was an eye-opener for me. Right. Uh, also, I have one more question for you, both of you. Uh, so uh, there's a section in the report where you've analyzed the top themes that emerged uh, month by month. So while I was looking at the graph that you guys have put and uh, the themes that have emerged, you know, they are some of them are uh, around UP elections, Gujarat elections, uh, Russia-Ukraine conflict, Islamophobia. So I couldn't help but notice that, you know, a lot of this, when you look at those months, these, so let's say in in a particular month, UP election was the top newsmaker. So a lot of this was in sync with the kind of news that news cycle that was going on. So a lot of misinformation cycle was in tune with the news cycle. Yeah, so uh, that is actually uh, something that we had hypothesized in the past as well. And uh, what we had seen is, you know, we could draw a strong correlation between the topics being discussed in the news cycle and uh, the topics that are out there with the topics of the false claims that are going out there. Uh, now, just looking at it intuitively, we are able to make, uh, we, we can kind of see that there is a correlation, but to find some kind of statistical significance in the correlation, we need more data basically. And that is something that we, re we really love to do in the coming year. Um, and you know, it's, I mean, we are far from being done on working on the 2022 database actually, because uh, what we are trying to do currently is using that same database to build a better research methodology for the upcoming year. So we are trying out new things. We are actually working with a few other researchers uh, to find out uh, basically a better way to categorize these claims uh, and how to, you know, like draw these kind of correlations, uh, like the one you just spoke about, Divya, um, you know, with using statistical analysis. So we can say, you know, how significant are our hypotheses. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It makes sense. 
Yeah, I was also thinking that, um, you know, in, in, uh, any time we crunch any numbers, it has to be in the service of some goal to make it useful for someone. It's either make it more useful for ourselves or for people who are studying the phenomenon of misinformation, disinformation, propaganda, polarization, all of that stuff. Gen Z, um, uh, you know, and and uh, bef- before I just ask uh, you that question, uh, there's another section in this report that talks about the type of claim, whether it's misleading information, fabricated content, so on and so forth. Uh, in your experience, how much for every fact check that we do, how much do we decide not to do? Like, essentially, there are some claims that are not fact checkable, right? So... I guess my question is 1,344, that number, how representative is it of all the misinformation out there? I'm assuming a large portion of it is not essentially fact-checkable. Yeah, that is true. I mean, in fact, uh, any number of stories that we do will always be a sample in many ways, at least, you know, a larger sample than what probably most researchers will be able to gather on their own. So that way, at least the newsroom is able to uh, pull out much more uh, uh, better representation of claims that uh, we have decided to pick up as a newsroom and, and, and publish. Now, when it comes to claims that we do not touch, uh, many times it could be because we wanted to write a fact check, but we did not get the uh, sources that were required for it uh, because we have a very stringent process where we don't uh, uh, attribute anonymous sources and we do need to have uh, primary sources who will come on record to say uh, that, uh, you know, whether it is true or not. Uh, so a lot of claims will actually get filtered out that way. Then there will be many such claims that, you know, that we will feel, okay, probably we have done the, a similar kind of stories in the past. So there's no need to touch it again. Maybe sometimes, you know, some claims may actually, uh, even though it may be very valid, but it may not be very viral. So if they're not viral, uh, among the considering we have limited resources, uh, how much time and how much effort should we be spending on fact-checking those stories? Now, those are very valid questions that we have to ask ourselves every day in the newsroom. Uh, these could be some of the reasons why we decide not to pick a, a claim to fact-check it. Uh, I don't think there is any other reason for it. Uh, as far as uh, I know about how we decide to pick a story or not, it is only on the basis of whether uh, virality, whether there are um, uh, enough claim, enough uh, on-record sources that we can quote that our readers, even when they look at it, and this is one principle, you know, in fact-checking, right? That anytime you read a fact-check, uh, as a reader, you should be able to come to the same conclusion, arrive at the same conclusion that the fact-checker is asking you to, uh, you know, uh, to, to come at. Uh, if you're not able to do it, uh, and if all the sources have not been mentioned, then there is uh, that that kind of a story probably is not the optimum uh, fact check. So this is the principle that we go by and and uh, why we decide not to pick up a story or not is only dependent on whether we are able to do a good job at it or not. Got it. Um, back, back to the report. Uh, there's a section in it uh, which is uh, headed how were Muslims and Hindus targeted? So Muslims and Hindus were targeted in slightly different ways, according to our report. Um, Devraj Arches want to talk about how uh, how it was different. Uh, w- what is the difference in the way the two communities were targeted? 
So uh, there are some difference and there are some similarities. Uh, first, let's talk about the similarities. I'd say uh, the one thing that we noticed uh, most significantly was the, the purpose or intent. Uh, it's something that we are going to call as outcome effect now, uh, which is basically demographic anxiety is what we identified. It's largely uh, how they were targeted. Both these groups were targeted. Uh, and this is what led us to eventually uh, come up with this headline that, you know, the the demographic anxiety between the Hindus and Muslims. And it's something we all intuitively know is going on, you know, we, when, whenever we read the news or, you know, we watch a news channel. Uh, we know that there's something, some element of polarization going on in the lines of Hindu and Muslim. So it is actually what we saw as well in uh, on this um, uh, during our analysis as well, especially the ones targeting specifically targeting Hindus and Muslims. Uh, another type that we noticed was uh, the misleading content when you know genuine uh, content was used in a misleading manner to negatively uh, incriminate um, a target. Basically, it it was also quite uh, significant for both of them. Uh, another uh, one thing in the, the ways that they differed was uh, uh, the Muslims did see a certain amount of fabricated content targeting them. Uh, whereas the Hindus saw a larger amount of false context, basically uh, decontextualized, decontextualized claims targeting them. So, uh, you know, these are just like some of the more uh, minute details from our uh, from our analysis. Devraj, you have something to add? Yeah. So if we look at, you know, the mostly uh, to understand this question i would like to draw you know the listeners attention to the the graph the monthly uh, graph that we actually included towards the very end uh, the listeners would also note that as far as you know islamophobia is concerned islamophobia basically you know uh, reaches this peak uh, around you know the up election time then it basically reaches the biggest peak uh, that we have actually noted last month uh, when the nupur sharma controversy actually came to light Subsequently, the Kerala hijab controversy also added fuel to this fire. And, you know, in the end, when the Gujarat elections came, we noticed that, uh, you know, the, the level of vitriol against the Muslim community, at least as far as the false information ecosystem is concerned, is not exactly as apparent and not exactly as, you know, as uh, virulent as the UP election scenario. What became something rather interesting to me here was that when we are looking at the targeting of the communities here, uh, Muslims and Hindus, Muslims and Hindus were both targeted uh, during the, you know, the Kerala hijab incident and also when it comes to the UP elections and of course the Nupur Sharma incident. But one thing that became rather, you know, unique to the Hindu uh, community is that while the, the various claims targeting them were sensationalist in nature, as in they were actually, you know, uh, celebrating the rise of, of Hindu unity against perceived Muslim uh, oppression or perceived uh, secular, you know, uh, false secularism, there was a lot of, you know, almost 30% of the claims targeting Hindus that we've noted uh, last year was sensationalist, which somehow aggrandized, you know, this Hindutva sentiment. While uh, when it comes to Muslims, you know, hardly 5%, hardly 5 to 10% of the, of the overall claims were, you know, somehow positive in nature. Only 67% of the claims were, uh, you know, misleading when it comes to Hindus while an overwhelming 90% of the claims targeting Muslims were, you know, of a negative nature and of an incriminating nature, you know, misleading that, uh, that we call when it comes to the term, technical term. So here it becomes apparent that when it comes to, you know, the community, which is at the receiving, the community at the receiving end is, you know, basically uh, Muslims, 
while the people who are still enjoying some sort of a of a you know of a mixed bag uh, presence in, in the false information ecosystem is the hindus so far yeah yeah got it got it uh, that 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 makes it clear i'm also going through uh, you know uh, the top themes and topics of claims in 2022 islamophobia 216 political smear that i'm assuming this refers to uh, smear campaigns against uh, political uh, politicians that's 87 so that's the next biggest uh, category and the up election accounted for 82 claims one last area that i'd like to talk to you both uh, about is media misreporting so this is of course been a major thing right we have the the the, the media itself um getting into uh the, you know getting into it enthusiastically publishing misleading reports creating um a cycle of fake news or misinformation um what does our report talk about say about this media misreporting actually uh there were considerable number of media misreports this year uh, the number came up to 76 and uh, it it was much higher than last year i think it was around 25 or 26 uh, so therefore we thought it'd be good to just focus on media misreporting as a separate story and uh, we actually did a separate story on media misreporting and uh, we found that most of it uh, most of these misreportings were communal spins or adding false communal angles to stories to incidents issues uh, and you know most of them targeting muslims so and yes it's it is a trend that we are seeing right the muslims being targeted islamophobia uh, but to add to that the mainstream media is also involved in this uh, so so this was one of our biggest uh, basically takeaway from the media misreporting report that we did uh, another thing i'd like to add is you know the media houses now this is strictly based on the number of fact checks we did for each of these media houses and uh, the number at least i'd say of the top 5 names you know z news and when i say z news it's all the subsidiary outlets as well like z hindustan etc so z news times now news 18 ndtv and times of india you know these are five of the biggest names uh in the indian media you know they appeared as some of the most uh, misreporting outlets basically right um uh, by the way uh, devraj you mentioned the kerala hijab controversy i'm assuming you meant the karnataka hijab uh, controversy and not the kerala one i was just looking at another um um uh, a representation a graphical representation uh, which is not about media re- mis uh, reporting but topics of islamophobic claims um so we have uh, categories such as the karnataka hijab controversy uh, the love jihad uh, thing uh, that keeps coming up uh, anti prophet mohammed remarks we have uh, the gyanwapi mosque case we have the kashmir files the film so a lot of that stuff and caanrc was not as big uh, a category in 2022 i'm assuming because it's the third year um delhi violence was also not as big a category because it's two years down but there is one category that says generic and that's the biggest so what does that mean what 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 does generic mean so generic here would refer to any random incident that has been painted in a fashion so much you know in a fashion which could incriminate the muslim community as a whole 
uh, to give a certain example, let us uh, let us say you know you receive a certain video on your WhatsApp, which has been forwarded uh, many times, and you notice that you know there is uh, you know a sort of a narration in the background, which uh, somehow tries to contextualize this uh, incident that is unfolding right in front of you, and the video basically contains something very shocking something to basically, you know, uh, force readers or viewers in this case to actually go into a sort of, a, you know, an emotional response. And more and more of, and uh, Boom basically looked into many of these claims and they were mostly, you know, a very violent incident that has been captured on camera where the ambient audio has been uh, either purposefully or, you know, because of the circumstances of recording, they are you know, very, uh, very muddied in a way. And the narration somehow claims either in written format or in audio format that, you know, this is a Muslim carrying out this act of violence. So when it comes to incidents like these, these are very random, by the way. Sometimes they are CCTV footages. Sometimes they are captured via phone from, you know, uh, by a bystander. And they basically incriminate a person uh, as belonging to the Muslim community who is acting out of rage against Hindus. And so when it comes to claims like these, uh, we cannot exactly identify a certain theme other than the fact that there is this overall you know vitriol against the muslim community which is being brought forth through these claims as a result we term them generic uh, we basically can identify things like anti-profit remarks because and we do this by you know uh, understanding what the context is but uh, the generic claim if you actually note uh, if you uh, were to look into that graph which deals with islamophobia this basically underlies the entire narrative throughout the year so while anti-profit remarks basically reached a peak around that February-March phase, while Karnataka hijabro basically around the September-October, generic is something which was rather common throughout. It was like, you know, this flat line, this ominous flat line, which characterized the entire Islamophobic ecosystem. And uh, yeah, so basically any random, you know, thing which has been uh, used to vilify Muslims, that's generic. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, there's so much more we can discuss about this report, but I, I guess I'll ask one last question. We've spoken about Islamophobia. What about misinformation targeting Hindus? Uh, how big of a deal is it? Any thoughts on what the nature of um, misinformation targeting Hindus specifically is? Yeah, so uh, right from the beginning, we mentioned that you know Muslims were targeted with 14% of the claims, while Hindus were targeted with 4% of the claims. So that makes it obvious that, you know, obviously the number of uh, false claims targeting them, uh, at least among our fact checks, is much lesser. Uh, and uh, if you are one of those people who are out there on social media looking for false claims, you may have already intuitively understood this, uh, you know, that the Islamophobia is much higher. Uh, but that, that, wouldn't, that doesn't mean that there are no claims targeting Hindus negatively. In fact, it's a, it's almost like a 55%, 45% breakup where 55% of the claims uh, targeted them negatively and around 44% of the claims targeting the Hindus, 45% uh, of the claims uh, were, you know, positive in nature. Uh, and, you know, negative targeting uh, of Hindus were actually very similar to negative targeting of Muslims where, for example, you would have uh, a person throwing uh, a, a young child on the floor and you know, with the with the caption saying, "Oh, look how uh, how the Hindus are attacking Muslims," and you know, when we look look further in, we see that you know they are from the same community. And you know, usually we see these kind of claims targeting Muslims, but we also saw quite a few of them targeting Hindus. You know, and I think it was around twenty four of these claims that we had seen uh, fact checked last uh, last year. 
so so that is why we drew the conclusion that you know there is this hindu muslim polarization so it's not just trying to you know uh, look at uh, muslims negatively it's more like uh, make the hindus and muslims see each other negatively is like the over overarching goal of this fake news you know like universe and i'm not i'm not saying that there is this one organization trying to do this but i'm saying this is what we realized from all the posts uh, made by multiple people overall and this is the kind of a, a trend that we have seen and of course i mean we see that also in in the mainstream media we see a lot of uh, political leaders also making speech which could be you know put in this kind of a trend where they're trying to instigate one community against the other so yeah it, it was it was this a similar case when we looked into the misinformation and disinformation universe got it um i think that about wraps up questions from my end uh and it's it's been an interesting conversation uh, it's led us down many paths that those who are interested might want to pursue a little further and if you want to ask us about uh this report if you want to uh you know get this database access to this database if you want to know if there are any particular reports or any particular pieces of misinformation that you want to focus on please get in touch with us i mean our information is out there on social media uh, you'll find it you can get into get in touch with us through any of the email ids that you have and it will reach us thank you so much for listening and uh, jency has left the conversation but debraj archis divya thank you so much we will of course be back with uh, regular programming in the media buddhi podcast series